So my summary to catch us up to where we are today, I think this is the last sermon I'm preaching in this series, uh, but the series doesn't conclude until next Sunday with our missionary. Um, but I'll get to that. Um, but the reality is we've been on a series, and we've just been talking about, after 2020, just the need to kind of reboot, kind of get our lives in order, figure out what applications need to be running, what applications need to be shut down, what applications need to be deleted completely from the computer, if you know what I'm saying. And so that's where we've been, and, 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 and so we went through some things that we had to reset our sin, our words, our eyes, and then we talked about the purpose of the reset. And we're not just shutting our computer down and starting it back up for no reason. But we're doing it because God's got a purpose for us. God's got a plan for us. God's got a desire for us. And so the reason we shut it down, the reason we start it up is because there's something to be done. There's something that, that needs to be accomplished. And so what we have done is we've said that we're shutting down for a purpose. Last week, we looked at the very purpose that we're shutting our systems down for. We looked at the very reason that God has asked us to reset. It was in these verses in Matthew chapter 22. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, he tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in all the law. And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. We talked about that purpose last week, that, that we are created to absolutely love God. He continues, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. And I don't know about you, but the love God thing I can get. But the love people sometimes is hard. We're going to talk about the hard side of it right now. Loving God. I mean, God is love and he loves us and he's demonstrated his love to us. I want to talk about the one that maybe for some of us is challenging at times. Loving people. Call yourself a pastor for a while and see how long you love people for. The reality is sometimes we read the word of God and and Jesus is simplifying religion. He's simplifying the law with these two commandments, to love God and to love people, to love God with all and to love your neighbor as yourself. He's simplifying it to that. And so we look at this and we say, hey, this is a really simple formula until we start looking at it. And last week we left here feeling good. This week I hope we leave here feeling challenged. Because look at the bar that the scripture has when it comes to loving, to love. Does anyone ever read the scripture and we think about, man, I just don't measure up? Like, look at this. We're going to talk about some verses and I just want to see how we measure up. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Bar is up here. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Anybody read these verses? We've heard them at weddings. And we laugh when they read them because we know husbands and wives really aren't this way. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love, it never fails. And I read that and I think, man, I can do that with God, but, but with people? Being patient with people? Being kind 
to people not envying or boasting? The bar is, is high when it comes to love. Colossians chapter 3, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Who put that outfit on this morning? Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any. If anyone of you has a grievance with someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Matthew chapter 5, we're taking this, this bar that's here to a new level. Okay? This bar of love. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Have you ever tried to love someone you don't like? I'm talking about my mind trying to keep track of all that God's doing in this place. You try keeping track of loving someone that you don't like. The bar is up here, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that, you're, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? He says, that's easy. If you're going to greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be, talk about the bar. Come on. Be perfect. Who looked at the mirror this morning and thought, I'm perfect? Because you're not. (laughs) Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. When I think about this standard for loving people, how can I ever be perfect at loving people? The reality is I was reading the Word, and there's a, there's a portion of Scripture, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I, I want to jump down toward the end of it. It's talking about, in, in Matthew 24, the end times and some of the stuff that's going on. And there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and all this stuff. And then about verse 10 is where I want to start. At that time, many people will turn from faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will grow, go, grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And the end will come. I relate to that. I'm going to be honest. Anyone else get to that point where your love starts to grow cold? Like get on Facebook for a while? Huh? Listen to people some? And you start noticing that, man, (laughs) that love that once burned bright, it's starting to get cold. And sometimes I get worried because I can relate more to this than the love that is patient and love that is kind. The love that lays down its life, the one who loves his enemy. God has called us to love him with all. And to love people. I know he said love your neighbor. Your neighbor might be your enemy and your neighbor might be your best friend. To love people as ourselves. And I want to talk about the discipline of loving people. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to get into the word of God. Father, we thank you this morning that we are here in this place. We thank you, God, for the work that you're preparing us for. For the purpose 
that you've created us for. We were created with the purpose of loving you and loving others so that they might love you. And I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts in these next few moments. Help us as we look at the Word of God. Help us as we look at your truths to be transformed by the Word of God. And take that which may seem impossible and make it very possible this day in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So we love God and we love people. And I think Jesus introduced it this way on purpose. One of the revelations that it had to come to for me as a pastor, one of the revelations that I had to have in my life was the reality that my love is finite. The love that I can produce, the love that that Pastor Steve, that Steve Mallory can produce is, is limited. And there's a beginning and an end to that love. There's a point where... I can no longer love in myself. And I think that's the point at which I start to see myself growing cold because I'm trying to produce love myself. I'm trying to find an enemy and say, man, I'm going to love them today. And then I fail. And then I hate them. And then I say mean things about them. I want to tell you, I believe that Jesus presented the law this way intentionally. Because if we don't fully love God, we're always going to fail loving people. Wait, Pastor, that's not right. No, because see, God's love is eternal. And I believe that God's love is an eternal source for His children to actually be able to love people. And so if you can hear anything today, if you take anything away from this, I hope that you start leaning into the reality that that God is asking you to have, to love people. It must come from Him, not from yourself. And if you continue to try and produce it in yourself, you're going to fail. Well, Pastor, how can you say that? Well, thank you for asking me that. 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from where? We love God and we love people. We love others because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how he showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And so in verse 16 of the same chapter, it says, We know and rely on the love God has for us because God is love. When it comes to loving people, I want us to know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. In verse 19 it says, We love Because he first loved us. I think we often fail at loving people because we're not connecting to the source of love. I believe the bar for loving people is so challenging at times because we're trying to produce it in ourselves. And we're not relying on the love that God has demonstrated to us. I've tried as a pastor, and I've preached this several times, to simplify it to the point of we are simply a conduit. The vessel in which God's love should flow. 
How smart are pipes? Who here is smarter than a pipe? A couple of us. I'm glad Trevor is. I mean, who thinks of a pipe and says, man, what a hard job they have. What an impossible bar for me to reach. But genuinely loving people is as simple in my mind as a pastor, is relying on the love that God has given me and allowing the love that God has shown me to pour out into others. Then I'm allowing the love that he's produced in me to to be poured out in their life. And that love is a genuine love. Getting ahead of myself. Romans chapter 12. Here's an example of what it looks like to love people. It's going to give us some tips on what loving people is. Love must be sincere. And we've got to start with that. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. In faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and bless those and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another and do, and do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And I want to come back to these verses in the next few moments and talk about what it's saying. Love for others must truly be. I believe it's giving us some some pointers on what this love, some bars for what this love should look like in our lives. The first thing it says is love must be sincere. We must sincerely love people. Have you ever talked to someone who didn't sincerely love you? You know what I mean? I was thinking about it. Sincerely love. What's a good example of this? I thought about my kids. You know what I'm saying? When your kids punch each other in the face, maybe you don't know, maybe it's just my house, I don't know. And you look at Graham and you say, you need to go apologize to Levi. Levi, you never had this happen, I'm sure. Exactly. I'm talking about mine, not you. And Graham goes and looks at Levi in the eye and he goes, I'm sorry. And he walks away. Is there any sincerity in that? Or when you're out and about and, and, and the kid wants something? And all of a sudden, they're, they're behaving, but you know why they're behaving? Because they want a Happy Meal at McDonald's? And you can read right, they think they're good? And you can read right through them? What about when we don't love people sincerely? And when we're only doing it because our dad told us to? Huh? The words we're saying are only because dad said we had to say them. How productive is unsincere love? Everybody's looking for a fake, right? Love must be sincere. And I will say the only way I've found to come up with sincere love is to be attached to the one who is love. That's how I can love Sincerely. That's how I can live with a sincere love. Sorry, 1 Peter 
uh, chapter 1 says, Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, that, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another where? I'm telling you, that's what the world is looking for. I'm telling you, that's what everyone needs. They're looking for people who will love them sincerely. And I want to pause on this moment because sometimes we think love, we think love is just universal okay. That verse in Romans says, love what is sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. There is sincerity in holding to the truth of God in your love for people. You can love someone and tell them you don't agree with what they're doing. That's sincere, genuine love. Oftentimes, the world is telling us as a church that we should love unconditionally and we should just love however, and we don't love what people are or what they're doing and we're wondering what's happening and we're truly loving with an unsincere love. And it doesn't resonate with us. If I'm going to love people, I have to love sincerely. I have to love deeply from the heart. Because I've been born again, not of perishable with seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. First John chapter 3, we read this, says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. When our actions don't line with our words... We're not telling anyone anything. And I promise your actions are speaking louder than your words are. So let's align our actions and our words and genuinely, sincerely love people. We love sincerely. We also love brotherly. This is a love that is a compassion. It's a love that is is charity. It said be devoted to to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Or in the, in the English standard, it says, love one another with brotherly affection. Look at this word. Outdo one another in showing honor. Can you imagine, just for yourself, just picture that. But we're trying to outdo, now maybe that's the wrong motivation. In, in, in the NIV, it says, honor one another above yourselves, outdo. What if the measure wasn't how much I'm being honored, but I want to make sure others feel honored more than myself? That's a group of people I want to be around. Can you imagine? Now, let's just picture this. This isn't in my notes, so this may not be very spiritual right now. I want you to imagine Congress where they're trying to outdo one another in honor, in showing honor. Can you imagine what this country would look like? Okay, now I'm going to step on your toes. Can you imagine what the church would look like? If we genuinely began to show brotherly love. We're not quite laughing as much as we were. Acts chapter 2, so I'll just keep going. Acts chapter 2. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. What if the sincere love of the Father was producing brotherly love in me. Where I desired nothing more than to see you have everything you need and do the very best that you possibly could do. That's loving people. How else did Romans chapter 
Did that chapter in Romans tell us about loving people? Romans chapter 10 says, never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. These are actions. This is love that is engaged. What if we truly love people zealously? Like if our love was, was zealous enough, zealous in a dictionary means willing, energized, and motivated. What if I was so willing, energized, and motivated to love people? I loved zealously. So that when I saw a need, I engaged the need. So that when I saw a hurt, I embraced the hurt. This is an evangelistic love. The zealots in the early church were the ones who were so crazy about defending their faith. That's what they were. That's what they were considered. They were extreme in defending what they believed. What if my love was a zealous love that I was so burdened that people would know the love that God had for them. I would be energized and motivated that they would know it. This is zealous love. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. You're putting someone above yourself. You know, we can hear a word of God that says that, that, that He's going to place seed and our seed's going to impact the world. We're not going to impact the world if we're not demonstrating God's love. And if we don't start getting energized and motivated about it, nothing's going to happen. We can talk about planting a field all we want. We can talk about having a garden if we want this year. But if we're not willing to go till the soil and we're not willing to to focus on what the fruit's going to be, nothing's going to happen. If we're going to love God wholeheartedly, we must love God zealously. It should happen inside of us. We should be compelled. We should be energized and motivated that people would know the love of God. Because every knee will bow. And I want them to bow rejoicing. Because they know who they're bowing to. There was an illustration I did when I was a youth pastor. You can't do it as much with adults because I did it in adult church and almost got myself in trouble. One bought a goldfish, stupid goldfish, and I started my sermon, and I picked that goldfish up out of the bowl, and I just went down, oh, right about here, and I dropped that goldfish on the ground, and I continued my sermon, and you know, no one could listen to me because they were too focused about that goldfish, and one lady I love her, Elizabeth Newkirk, I rest her soul. She stopped me in my sermon. You want to talk about zealous? You stop a pastor while he's preaching. That takes boldness. And she said, Pastor! And I just kept preaching. Wait, Pastor! And she got up. What about the goldfish? And she picked that goldfish up and put it in the water. 
And the whole point of my sermon was that we're more burdened about a goldfish than we are about people who are dying an eternal death. When we're worried about a goldfish dying in our presence, then we are about our brothers and sisters not knowing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, that was not Elizabeth's normal mode to stand up in church and interrupt the service. But because she had a zealous love for a flipping goldfish, she wasn't worried about what people might think. She wasn't worried about what people might say because that goldfish was dying. I want to love people zealously. And finally, he says to love harmoniously. Verse 16 said, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Colossians chapter 3 says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We read this. Bear with one another or with each other. Forgive one another if you have any grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Because there's something about harmony. People are attracted to harmonies. I don't know if anybody else caught it. Josie sang a harmony this morning and we worship. And I could hear when Josie was singing a harmony and it made me feel good to hear the harmony. Body, when we're living in harmony with one another, the scripture flat out tells us they will know him by our love for one another. They'll know who God is by the song that we're singing together. We need to love people. We love them sincerely. We love them brotherly. We love them zealously. And we love harmoniously. And then what happens? I'm telling you, then impact happens. That's when impact comes. That's when impact comes that changes our world here and the world in the United States and the world into the big round ball that spins in the sky world. That's what brings impact is when we're genuinely loving people. Impact in my mind. We're going to talk about impact next week. We've got a missionary coming. That's why Pastor planned it that way. I did plan that one. I'll just say that. Impact our world is when we've got a missionary with us. I'm going to tell you, impact happens anywhere someone is touched by the love of God. Anywhere someone is touched by the love of God is absolutely how this world is impacted. John chapter 15, it looks a little bit different. My command is this, love each other as I loved you. Now remember, John chapter 15, if you remember what the analogy is that Jesus is teaching from. Anyone know when I say John 15? I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you. That's what we're talking about here. That's the beginning of John chapter 15. And so we're talking about that. And he said, my command is this, to love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. If you're my friends, you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learn from my father's house I have made known to you. 
Verse 16. I want, I want everyone to read verse 16 in the context of what God spoke to us this morning. And I'm talking about before pastor ever opened his mouth. I have chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Now, he's chose you for a purpose, right? That's absolutely purpose-driven right there. You didn't choose me, but I chose you for a purpose. I chose you, not only chose you, but I appointed you so that you might go and do what? What does fruit come from? I heard a bunch of different answers. I think I heard everything I was looking for. Fruit comes from a tree. A tree comes from a seed. God talked to us about our seeds this morning and the seeds that we're supposed to be sowing. Fruit comes from a seed. As we sow seed, we should expect fruit. He chose us and appointed us that we might go and bear fruit. It's fruit that will last. So whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. I want fruit. I want to see fruit that lasts. You guys can come forward. I want to see fruit that endures. In order to see fruit, I must know the love of God. I have to start with loving God. And I have to recognize that the source of of my love for others has to come from Him because He is love. And when I recognize what God has done and His love that's been demonstrated in my life, I can begin to love people effectively. I can love them sincerely. I can love them brotherly. I can love them zealously. And I can live in harmony with them because of the love of God that is in me. He chose you and appointed you. To bear fruit. Fruit is the product of love. Huh? I'm going to get weird. My kids aren't in the room so I can still say this. My kids are the fruit of my wife and I's love. We should expect Fruit when we're living in love. And that's a fruit that lasts and endures. That's a fruit that is in our home. That's a fruit that is in our community. That's a fruit that's in our state and in our world. That's the fruit that God desires to produce in us. That's the fruit that He promised us even before Pastor ever preached the word. Then when Kathy tried to preach for me too. And she started talking about the different seeds. Yeah, we all love differently. We talked about that. But the end result of planting a seed is fruit. You might get some nuts. That's okay. We're called to love God and to love people. And we'll see an impact in our world. That's the vision of this church. That's the plan that that God outlined in Matthew chapter 22. Pastor wasn't real smart, but that's the plan. That's the heart. That's the way I desire to shepherd your hearts.
Can you love sincerely this week? Brotherly, zealously, harmoniously. Uh, I'm going to ask they lead us in, in a song, and I'm just going to ask that you focus on what God's speaking to you. How does this apply in your context? What seed are you supposed to sow in this way? <coughs> Excuse me. I will open the altar for prayer because I want an opportunity to pray with people in need. And, and, I'll, I, and, and in that time, I'll even extend the offer to people who say, man, I just need more of God's love in me so I can love other people. If you need to experience some of God's love for you, we've talked about loving God and, and we've been down this road, but I want to open this opportunity again because it's His love in you that allows you to love others. So, so if you need that encounter today, I want an opportunity to pray with you. If you have other needs in your life, if you need someone to stand with you in the moment you're in, as a pastor, I desire to be able to pray with you in this moment. God, we thank you for this word today. I thank you that you spoke it in many different ways. For the voices of Angie and Mary and Kathy, God, and in my own, the way that you prepared for us this moment. God, I recognize that sometimes we hear things in different ways. And, and I pray in the context of this entire service, Holy Spirit, you highlight that which we need to receive. For those who feel like their love never measured up, I ask that you fill them with your love. The promise there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that they would begin to love not from their self, but from you. For those you're calling to sow. God, they know exactly the harvest you have, the fruit that they're pursuing. I pray, God, you give them zealous, brotherly, harmonious, sincere ways to demonstrate your love. For each of us, Lord, that we could love you with all. And love people as ourselves. In Jesus' name. He's chose you and He's appointed you to love Him and love people and bear fruit. Amen? You just sang it. Now I'm going to say it. Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you Love people. Be blessed.